welcome to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman, where the discussion is about the challenges and opportunities that people face when communicating with the opposite gender. Brought to you by the Tough Talk Radio Network. Now here's your host, Judy Hoberman. Good afternoon and happy Monday. It's time for your weekly dose of Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio. Now, it's always interesting to me to listen to the different ways men and women communicate. More interesting is the fact that women, although touted as having great communication skills, are still struggling to get their messages across. And that's what our discussion will be about today, how we communicate to create a successful business. Now, the ability to communicate both effectively and confidently has a direct effect on how successful our businesses are. And trust me, our experts today have their thoughts, tips, and strategies on this topic. Okay, so we all know and have read that women are better communicators than men. But are we as effective or confident as we should be? Is our message being heard the way we want it to be? And are we influencing and inspiring people? No matter what your business is, what your profession is, or what you're trying to convey, you have to be an effective communicator. Of course, before we talk about what makes you effective, let's talk about some of the communication challenges that women face. Now, I know that our audience is a mixture of entrepreneurs and corporate executives, but this is something that we all face, taking credit for a job well done. Now, here's the scenario. You have this amazing idea and you share it, and rather than say I, you say we or my team. Now, I do understand that there's no I in team, but sometimes you need to take credit for your brilliance. And no, it's not the me, me, me syndrome, but if you don't toot your own horn, no one else will. Next, keep, it, keep this in mind. It's not personal. It's business. Now, while women are definitely more emotional than men, you have to keep those emotions in check. Our emotional pendulum can swing from one extreme to the other. So if you feel something coming on that will peg you as being too emotional, try and remove yourself from the situation if possible. If it's something that you need to voice your opinion about, do it professionally. I was always taught that whatever you're doing or saying would be okay if your mom walked into the room. If not, you need to reconsider. Have you ever seen two male lawyers attack each other in the courtroom and then go out for lunch? Take that same scenario and substitute male for female. Nope, they're not going to lunch or coffee or anything for a while. So don't compromise your ability to make decisions because you take things personally. And, of course, where does negotiation come into the picture? It's all part of communicating with confidence. And it's not just about the money. Maybe it's your position or a project or additional responsibilities or maybe trying to get funding from your banker. It is critical in your business to learn how to ask for what you need and want. And don't simply settle because the answer you received you believe is the final one. In real estate, when two parties are going back and forth on the price of a house, when they hear best and final, that is generally the final one. And even then, it isn't always the final one. So make sure you speak up for what you believe is right for you and your business. Finally, what does your vocabulary say about effectively communicating? Are you missing that confidence that you need? Are you adding the word just into your sentences? Whenever someone says, I'm just a housewife or I'm just an advisor, I want to just jump out of my skin. So drop the word just and see how the conversation changes. If you can identify your strengths and capitalize on those and then identify those areas of opportunities, you can work with a coach to change those. You can fake confidence for so long, so why not change the fake-it-till-you-make-it attitude to communicating effectively, for real? Now, communication can change everything. 
Good communication can open more doors and create stronger relationships. So let's turn our thoughts to how we can communicate more effectively. There are three main points that will give you some guidance. Number one, focus on your message so that you're not only clear, but that you have credibility. It's terrible when you're listening to someone speak and then you scratch your head and say, what did they say? And as women, we talk in story form rather than bullet points, and that doesn't always appeal to others, whether they're men or women. Even more often, we add disqualifiers such as, this might be a stupid question or, I'm not an expert, but whether you're doing a presentation or training a group or working with a client, try and have an agenda in mind so that your message is clear and to the point and connects. Which brings me to the second point, connecting with confidence. That can be as simple as having great eye contact. As a speaker, one of the first ways to connect with an audience is to have eye contact. I generally will pick someone in the first row to the right and look straight at them for about 30 seconds or so and talk directly to them and then do the same thing to someone on the left. As you keep going around the room, each person you're talking to thinks they're the only person in the room. It's a great way to connect. Now, as a byproduct, for those of you that really don't like public speaking, it's also a great way for you to feel as if you're only speaking to one person at a time. Don't forget to have some great energy in your body language as well as in your voice. So many times women don't want to be quote-unquote seen, so they take up very little space. Their body language shows them to be closed off or even unapproachable. So open up your gestures and take up some space. And your voice? Well, let's remember a few things. Don't apologize unless you're truly sorry about something. And don't end your sentences as if everything is a question. I remember reading an article about a high-powered female executive who walked into a board meeting as the only female and as the facilitator of the meeting. She was wearing a powder pink suit, which we can save those comments for another day, and she introduced herself like this, I'm Catherine. Well, the response she received was, if you don't know your name, how would I? And that was from a male board member. Everything counts when it comes to being confident. And number three is to make sure you know your stuff. As the Girl Scouts say, be prepared and anticipate questions that might come up so you're armed with any additional information you may need. Again, keep the answers short and sweet, but be able to expand on the topic if necessary. As women, we're constantly trying to prove ourselves. Nothing trumps knowledge, and if you don't have an answer, make sure you have the resources to turn to. No matter what position I held, I always had a list of resources that I could count on, not only those that had the right answers, but also those that I knew would answer the phone when I called. Lots of things going into the mix. You just need to know how to prepare yourself. The truth is that nobody reaches the top of their company, their business, or gets to the next level or has a successful company all by themselves. We need support from others. We all have benefited from the guidance and advice from others, and having a coach or a mentor will increase the chances of success that much more. So be curious, embrace change, surround yourself with the right people, invest in yourself, and most of all, have a passion for what you do. The bottom line is that you are the best ambassador for your business. Be confident and learn how to share your message effectively. When we come back, we'll be joined by an expert in the field of setting the stage in communication. If you want to call in with questions, please call in at 347-989-1363 and press number 1. We'll get right back to you as soon as we're done with our break. This is Selling in a Skirt on Tough Talk Radio, and we will be right back. 
Did you know that an estimated 52 million Americans listened to Internet radio in the last month? Or that weekly Internet radio audience has increased 60% over the last year? And that more than 8 in 10 people are online from any location? Tough Talk Radio Network is a company dedicated to providing a platform that allows opportunities for guests, hosts, and sponsors to market themselves to the internet radio media where they can be heard by millions. To find out how Tough Talk Radio Network can help you, go to toughtalkradionetwork.com. Live at Choice, where your imagination becomes your reality. If you can imagine it, it's possible. If you can believe it, it's yours. We get it. You're done with the way it is now. You're finished with all the frustration around why you feel stuck and your life isn't working. Imagine what your life would be like if you could have all the answers and see new possibilities. We at Live at Choice choose to make a difference. Live at Choice has developed a proven process and a series of questions that lead participants to the answers they seek, gaining new understanding and self-awareness for both your personal and professional life. If you're ready to get to the life you want, contact us today. Visit liveatchoice.com to get started. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you where you want to be? Do you believe that if you build it, they will come? Unfortunately, entrepreneurship doesn't work that way, and that's why you need to read Famous Isn't Enough. In this book, you'll find real-life situations and lessons learned. When all is said and done, there's nothing better than being your own boss. Remember, nothing just happens. You have to put in the work. Famous Isn't Enough is your roadmap. Get your copy today at www.famousisntenough.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio. Okay, so are you ready to set the stage? And I mean that both literally and figuratively. Sandy Tabasinic is the owner of HomeCore, which focuses on home remodels and construction here in the DFW area. HomeCore currently has an annual revenue of a million dollars and five employees. Now, I say that purposely because you have to understand something. If we look at the figures of women-owned businesses with revenues over a million dollars, let's just say it's not as full as we'd like it to be. Sandy is one of the few Hispanic women in the DFW area running a company in this space. She's originally from Colombia and is a mom to three teenagers. She started her company in 2009, and her story as a single mom entrepreneur is really very inspiring. When she shows up on the construction site in her heels, the workers are often shocked that she's the boss. Sandy has done some huge jobs all over the Metroplex. Women entrepreneurship is on the rise, and Sandy is a great example of what's happening in the home building remodeling industry. So welcome to the show, Sandy. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to start off our time together with a statistic or two, because according to NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners, as recently as last month, August, one in five firms with a revenue of a million dollars or more is a woman-owned business, and only 4.2% of all women-owned firms have revenues over a million dollars or more. So kudos to you, and I would like to bet part of your success is what we're going to be talking about today. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, as you know, the topic of the day is effective communication. So let's start there and tell me, what are your thoughts about how this plays into the success of your business? Well, the first thing is specifically in my business that matters is I talk to men mostly uh, in terms of uh, my vendors, my uh, contracting firms. Uh, the only women I really 
talk to could be a housewife or the owner of the property. But in general, I'm consistently talking to men. So my biggest challenge is trying to get across what I'm trying to say in a, in a male language. Okay. And so as the boss, who I love how you show up in heels, and, and I saw that on your website as well, what is the kind of communication that you have to do with men? And how is that different from how you would talk to a homeowner or the owner of a property? Well, when it comes to talking to the homeowners of the property, it's important to come to the conversation with knowledge. You have to be sure of yourself. You have to make sure that they understand that you know about what you're speaking and that you can give them good advice and that you're going to be taking into consideration, you know, their fears, their concerns, and their budget. So it's a different approach than, for example, the people who the firms or the plumbers or the electricians or all these other people that work for me where it's a combination of trying to get across what you want to happen versus showing them the respect that they feel they're entitled because they're men and you're a woman trying to give them direction on what to do. Okay, so do you think that a woman has an advantage in this industry? Absolutely. I think that, um, first of all, women are very good at um, communication, like you said. It's um, we're, we're very good at communicating, communicating on time. We're always trying to preempt what's coming up. We're good multitaskers. We're very good at um, – we can communicate with different people at different levels at the same time, whereas I think men need to kind of focus on one thing and they have to kind of have this – it's not a bad thing, but it's just a different way of doing things, a little bit more of a tunnel vision. They're very focused on what they're doing. We can do a couple of things at the same time and communicate to different people, different ideas at the same time. Yeah, but sometimes that that gets us into trouble because we we are able to do so many things at the same time, and men are really laser focused. So so here's something for you. I also come from male dominated industries my entire life, and I will say I learned a heck of a lot and had to develop my own playbook along the way. So why did you choose to go into this type of industry, and do you have to make up some of the rules yourself? Well, I chose to get into the industry um, because I thought I had been working initially for another uh, builder, and I would get a bit frustrated with the way that they were specifically communicating to the clients. I thought that um, somehow throughout the process there were misunderstandings that I thought just didn't need to happen. So after a while of having worked for somebody else, I decided to go on my own and kind of lay out the rules and the, the process a little bit differently in the way that I thought that it would be more um, effective. Uh, I mean, I just, for me, it's about efficiency. It just, it just needs to happen. It has to happen in, a, in the right way, and people have to be informed. They have to know what's going on at all times. So that was the, the one reason why I went, and I, I went on my own, to have my own business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go one step further. We talk about women being relationship builders as opposed to order takers or transactional. So being a woman in a male-dominated industry, how does building relationships play into the success of your business and the relationships that you develop, whether it's your vendors, whether it's your contractors, or whether it's your home buyers or builders? Well, a lot of my clients, I have found out that um, they will call me uh, with, say, a problem with a window or a faucet or something, and they're, they could be pretty upset. And usually the conversation will go first as to what happened with their child at school 
or the boyfriend or that a lot of the times when I'll get somebody complaining about something specific, I usually end up finding out what the actual problem was, has nothing to do with construction. So I think that somehow that door opens when you're a woman and you're having all these conversations. For example, if you're talking about a house and I'm trying to figure out how to uh, organize the closets or how to do the storage space for a house, I have to find out how people live. So I'm going to be asking questions that maybe a male builder will not do. So that opens up a door that creates somewhat of a knowledge of how the family works, the relationships work. You know, I don't want my husband to be in my closet. Can you give him his own? He's messy. And all these, all these details that you wouldn't find out unless you were asking the questions that I believe a woman would ask more than anything. So, right. yeah, you start building relationships where they start to call you and, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know when the husband's going to be out of town and all of a sudden the meetings about planning and construction come, I don't know, an hour longer because then they want to have coffee and show you something new that they want to do with their kitchen or a uh, project the child did or something like that. So yeah. there's there's always upsells for you because you have built this relationship as well, which is which is always, you know, amazing. Um, I I do remember like when I was selling insurance and somebody would tell me something on the phone, whether it was a wedding or they just had a floor done or whatever, I would make notes. So when I would go to see them, I would say, you know, how was your daughter's wedding or I love your new floor or something like that because we, we do take notice of all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I know when my clients' children's birthdays are, I know, yeah, I mean, I make it a point to call them or send the kids something. Or I mean, because also the relationship of, of doing someone's home is a little bit more personal as well. You know, you're coming into people's private place. It's not a business most of the times. It's your own home. So in a way, you want them to feel comfortable that you have somebody working in their house and that they're taking uh, into account, you know, who you are, the people around you, your space. So in a way, construction, especially residential, you need to have that personal touch with your client. Absolutely. Okay, so let's shift gears just a little bit. So to me, it's very interesting. I'm reading all the time and I'm hearing all the time how many people are deciding to stay put in their homes and remodel and upgrade. Why do you think that's happening? I mean, the way we're talking now that, you know, the economy has opened up a little bit and, you know, the houses are flying off the market, you you know, there's no inventory. So why do you think people stay in their homes and decide to, you know, just make their homes even more valuable? Well, I believe that at first it started when, you know, the economy went down a little bit. There was no way to get loans for a while. It was, uh, you had to be in a very specific um, high financial position in order to get a loan, and then the people that were in that position didn't need the loans. So for a while, people were having to get creative, you know, in the past couple of years. You know, how do I improve my home, but I cannot afford a new one, or there's no loan. So for a while, that opened up the minds of people into thinking, oh, you know what? I do know my neighbors already. I like where I live. Maybe I can have the home that I want right where I am. So that was the first part. Now, once you've opened people's minds up to that, then, you know, they had it in mind. I think a lot of people are starting to realize those uh, remodels and starting to get into them maybe now or maybe last year because, you know, financing opened up. And also the reason is, like you said, um, now that the economy is doing better, there is very little inventory out there. I mean, I get calls from realtors all the time telling me, you know, I have the perfect house for this client, but it's missing this, but it's missing that. And, you know, it, there is 
in Texas specifically with the way we do construction, it is not as hard to remodel homes as, you know, maybe Florida or these places where it's a lot more concrete, it's much heavier construction. I think Dallas is a great place and, and homes hold values. People can can rely on, on you know, the value of your home. It will never the bubbles that you see everywhere in the country are just not here. Mm, absolutely. So here's a little story. So many years ago, I decided to do some remodeling, and a friend of mine was a contractor. So I'm sure you know where this is going. In any event, uh, okay. after, yeah, after a totally botched remodel, losing a friend, and other side effects, my project never came to fruition. So what are some of the mistakes that homeowners actually make when they decide to remodel their home, other than using a friend who, you know, really doesn't know what they're doing? Okay. Um, well, the most important thing is that for some reason people are not checking with their with their references. I mean, it's so important to have references when you start a remodel. You want to know um, if that person. I think the first person, the first question to ask is, in the middle of the remodel or towards the end or even after you finished, if you call this remodeler, if you call this person, did they answer the phone? Were they available to you just like they were when they were quoting you? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the project. I think that's a very important question. And I don't think any of my clients have ever asked my, you know, my new clients. I've never asked my old clients. My old clients, the ones that I've already worked for, will tell them, you know, um, yeah, she calls all the time. Um, I actually, you know, check on houses a year later. But that's one important thing to ask. Um, the second thing is um, you have to assume that the project will be potentially between 10 and 15, 18% more than what the contractor quoted you, specifically if it's a remodel. If it's a construction from the ground up, there's less, you know, there's less chance of things happening. But when you're doing a remodel, you have to be realistic and you have to understand that there's a very big chance that you will go higher because something came up, because something was prettier, because you made the choice. But most of the time, you know, people don't take that into consideration and they get upset when they see that, you know, it's not exactly to the cent what they expected it to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying to think. The, the last thing is planning. For some reason, i found that most of the clients I have, they, they go into a space and they look at it and they go, okay, I want to take this wall down, we're going to put a door through here, we're going to do this. And I'm very much into floor plans, pre-planning. I think that the more that you do up front, the less it will cost you later and the better handle you will have on exactly what's going to happen with the project and how. Um, So I think that those three things are very important when trying to do a project. Now, in terms of hiring your friends, um, I have done a lot of work for friends of mine. It's a good thing nothing yet has happened. I'm still friends with all of them. But (laughs) it's a tough one because, honestly, when it comes to friends, I know that I'm going to put in probably 10, 15% more effort into the the job because my friends have my number, you know, at home, and they feel comfortable. They can call me at night, in the morning, in the weekend, and you can't call your friend, and unless it is, you can't call this. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, That's and and, and, and also you're a licensed contractor and you've got a wonderful reputation and, and you've got a tremendous website with all kinds of information on it. And this was back many, many years ago where there wasn't any kind of social media and you couldn't, you know, really dig into it. And, and as a friend you thought, well, okay, I mean, he could do it. So so do you ever have to talk people out of an idea that they have either because of yes. functionality or price or something yes. else? Yes. I have something that I tell my clients and – that is, for example, 
Um, I have a saying, they laugh at me, but I say, on this, you get to win. Um, and that is, there's a lot of, at the end of the day, my client's the person that's going to live in the house. However, there are ways to get there. And when it comes to how, if I can give them a better suggestion in terms of the function of the space or how they can spend their money more wisely or, or anything like that, I will give them the advice. However, at the end of the day, they will live there, and I will make it look the way they want. I will um, try to, you know, work with all the requirements they've given me. The one thing that I will always say no is when they're trying to tell me how to get there. And by that I mean, well, why can't you just put the drywall and then do this and then we can button it. I have had, you know, clients that I've had to tell them, this is not how we do it, and if you want to do it that way, you're going to have to find somebody else because, you know, I've done this already. I, I did at the beginning try to plead my clients into a problem. <laughs> so that doesn't happen anymore. And when it comes to how it's going to look at the end of the day, you know, I will make my suggestions. It is, it's, that's why they're hiring me. That's why I'm a contractor. It's because I've, I've done this so many times that I know what will be the best use of space. But, you know, you get all kinds of clients. The only thing I won't do is anything that is done in a way that will create a problem for future use, that it will, that is not the way you do construction. Or, you know, if it's creating a hazard or something, which, believe me, people actually have asked me to do in their own home. So, yeah. Okay. So so let's take that another step. So we all know that men and women look at homes for different reasons. And when they remodel, they come in for different ideas, whether it's the man cave or whether it's a bigger kitchen or whatever. How do you listen to both their needs and make recommendations that addresses them both and stay within the guidelines of whether it's a budget or size or whatever? Well, normally, I guess it would work kind of like couples therapy. You sit down with <laughs> both of them, and you listen to what everybody wants, and I try to get them to narrow down to a budget number where they want to be at the end. And listening to the conversations, after you've talked to them, you, in a way, you kind of go separately with each, and you try to negotiate for the other one, you know, where you, you – and also I keep in mind – when I try to negotiate with them, I have had um, clients that, for example, have wanted to fix the backyard, the pool, and the the wife is adamant that she wants a really beautiful deck, but really the pool plaster is leaking. So if, if they only have so much of a budget, my recommendation will be more towards what needs to be done, not who wants what. Now, if it's discretionary budget where you know, it doesn't matter, it's just a man cave versus an outdoor kitchen and each one wants uh, a different thing, it, it, usually I give them a budget of what both items are, what alternatives they have in terms of maybe we can prepare for this, just do this part, maybe we can split the project into a separate uh, unit. But to be honest, a lot of those fights have happened before I get there. They already kind of know who's, who gets to win on, on which situation. What I have to do is make the budget work for whoever's the one with, I guess, the manages the money at the home. So if it's the husband, he will tell me usually, you know what, she can have whatever she wants, but this is what I'm going to, you and her, make it work. So <laughs> that happens a lot as well. Okay. And we all know that women make 85% of all consumer purchasing decisions, so you need to work with the women anyway. So, you know, so here's a question. You're absolutely right, and yep. yet you'd be surprised. I'm sometimes surprised about how involved some of the men want to be in the kitchen. Those are usually the, the men that cook. You know, they yeah. want to know where the wine's going to be and everything. But I'm surprised that a lot of times, I've been used to, you know, growing up in South America for a long time, that men 
you know, they say, okay, I'm going to pay for it. This is what I'm going to pay. Let, let, you know, let the lady figure out what she wants in the kitchen. But it's, I've noticed that it's a lot, almost like a joint decision as to what mm-hmm. is going to go into their home lately with couples. Well, which is a good thing. I think so, it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah, me too. So personally speaking, you're a single mom, you have three teenagers, and you run a very successful business. So in your opinion, can a woman have it all? Yes, but that woman has to be very organized, has to have a lot of patience, and, I mean, organization and patience. Oh, my God, you need all of it. And, you ha- and you know, you have good days and you have bad days. There's days when you don't want to go to work and there's days when you don't want to see your kids. There's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a combination. But, yeah, I think I think especially today, I, I think technology in, I think in every aspect of business has been such a help. I mean, the ability to get a picture of what something looks like or when a client says to me, oh, my God, I love this tile. I'm going to send you a picture. I don't have to drive there right away. I mm. know where they're going. I know what, you know, you, you have the ability in a way to be in two places at once, and that's very helpful. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. So why don't you tell our listeners how they can connect with you because they have to see some of the videos that you have out there and, and some of the testimonials that you have and, and why you are so so successful at what you do. So let us know how to connect with you, and we're going to make sure it's all over social media. Okay, well, HomeCorp is um, – I have the website, which is homecorptxfortexas.com, and that's my regular website. I have a Facebook website that um, you can go to Facebook slash homecorp tx.com and um, on the website on both of them I have a lot of the you know media clips interviews and also you can see photo albums of projects that I've done from beginning to end Um, I post sometimes ideas uh, from organization to you know small projects you can do at home and you can reach me my business phone comes directly to me I'm the one that answers the phones it's uh, 214-450-2449 and uh, my email, Sandy, um, S-A-N-D-Y, at and .homecorp, at gmail.com. And you can find my email on my website as well. Okay, so when are we going to see you on HGTV? You know, it's so funny. Everybody asked me that. I, I did have a couple of vendors that I did a little bit of projects for um, HGTV. Uh, I'm, I'm torn between um, between the fact that HGTV – HDTV is so fabulous at giving my clients ideas and also telling them that I can do things quicker than I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I bet. (laughs) I bet. But but it's a great source of ideas. Well, Sandy, we thank you so much for being here today, and we always hear about the negative side of remodeling and building, so you're giving us that ray of sunshine. Yes, yes, it makes it all worthwhile. I know it's not something you hear, but honestly, I tell my clients, we're going to do this, and it's going to be fun because at the end of the day, you're gonna, it's your home. You have to like what you're doing, and yeah, there will be glitches here and there, but it is meant to be fun. You're getting a new home. You're getting a new kitchen. You get, how could you not like that? You right. have to be happy about it. Well, good. Well, I hope you come back and share some more, some more ideas with us, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. And Bye-bye. we're going to take a 
We're going to take a short break now to make sure we thank our sponsors, The Report for Women. It's an important information source for women in business. Check them out at www.thereportforwomen.com. You subscribe for free and save it on your favorite places. The report will automatically update on a regular basis. So if you're ready to watch your business and get some great buzz, become one of our sponsors. Go to sellinginaskirtwithjudyhoberman.com, click on the Sponsor tab, and watch your business soar. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio, and we will be right back. Do you want to know the secret to building a successful business quickly? It's all about taking action, but not just any action. It takes inspired and consistent action to get profits. Join Michelle Sism, the six-figure results lady, as she asks, successful entrepreneurs their profitable secrets every Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time on Take Action, Get Profits with Michelle Sism on the Tough Talk Radio Network. If you're ready to take action and get profits, you can find out more about the show at TakeActionGetProfitsRadio.com. So you think you're tough, tough enough for Tough Talk with Tony Gambone? Tony knows how to dish it out. Can you take it? Tony Gambone is a communicator, mentor, and entrepreneur whose tough style and generous spirit quickly garnered recognition in many a competitive arena. Now he's bringing his intelligence and knowledge to you as a hard-hitting radio talk show host and thought leader. Tune in and see for yourself. Tough Talk with Tony Gambone. It's a sure thing. To find out more, go to Tough Talk with Tony Gambone. Are you a sales professional stuck in a rut? Are you a sales manager trying to direct women in your company? In her book, Selling in a Skirt, Judy Hoberman offers invaluable and proven insights into how gender differences can affect sales outcomes and the tools and strategies to drive real results in today's marketplace. Judy offers a suite of workshops, seminars, and coaching programs that complement her highly successful book. Her 30 years in sales have given her both the knowledge and a sense of humor about the gender differences that we should all understand and embrace instead of feeling unable to communicate. Judy's humorous stories about how men and women sell, manage, recruit, and supervise differently will enlighten you in learning how both genders can support each other's successes in a more productive way. Find out more by going to sellinginaskirt.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio. Now, I want to make sure that you stay current with us because there are so many things that are going on. There's updates, there's events, there's everything. So go ahead and like us on Facebook at Selling in a Skirt and Tough Talk Radio. And if you want to be my friend, just ask me at Judy Hoberman. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at Selling in a Skirt. Remember that staying connected gives you access, and access takes you to success and profitability. Okay, so hold on to your hats because my next guest has been described as me with red hair. And I'm not sure if you can handle the two of us. Hmm, we're going to see about that. I'm excited to bring to the mic a business colleague and an amazing friend, Gail B. Goodman. Gail is a phone skills trainer with over 30 years' experience. She specializes in working with financial advisors and also does phone training for any direct sales team, customer service reps, unhappy consumers, and anyone who needs to use a phone effectively, which is most of our country. She's developed the most widely used phone training program for direct salespeople, and her clients are some of the largest financial companies in America, such as The Guardian and Prudential and New York Life and State Farm. 
Gail lives in Bedford Hills, New York, on a small horse farm with her husband, three horses, one cat, and five parrots. She gets the most incredible results, so if you ever have to pick up a phone to schedule appointments, Gail is the phone teacher. So welcome to the show, Gail, and I am so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm finally excited to be here, too. <laughs> finally excited. <laughs> yeah, finally, I'm here. It only took us long enough to schedule. <laughs> I know. So now yeah, you heard how fault. quickly my time with Sandy flew by, so this half hour will not be much different. So let's start with the obvious. The discussion is about being an effective communicator. So tell me, why is this so important in general and then specifically for your business? Well, I think people don't give as much thought to what they're saying as they should. Unfortunately, the technological world has, I'm trying to make this polite, has dumbed down people's ability to say things well. I think texting and Twitter and all kinds of shortened versions of say what you're trying to say has reduced people's interest in the linguistic world. And saying things eloquently actually is important, but it's almost as if there's a new world, and of course there's a new generation, that doesn't necessarily agree with me. Mm, and, and I'm sure that you've seen it, because I know I've seen it, that people that are sitting next to each other are texting as opposed to speaking. I sit on planes. I wait in airport waiting areas, and at a time 30 years ago when you were bored, diverted, taken off the plane, on the plane, off the plane, you'd sit and talk to the people that were on your plane. Now you can have hours of delays. You could be on a plane that's sitting on the tarmac or got diverted to another city for two hours. All of these things have happened to me. People don't communicate. They just sit and look at little rectangles that are lit up. This is a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you basically created your company out of nothing. You found a need, a real niche, and I would say you made it a tremendous success. So tell us about Consultel and why you chose the market like you did. I started Consultel after working for a remodeling firm, which is why I had so much fun listening to your previous guest. And what I found is when I left that company, there were a lot of marketing consultants, there were a lot of sales consultants, but phone trainers were more rare. And I was, at that time, when I worked at the remodeling firm, I was in charge of teaching our franchisees marketing, selling, and phoning. So when I left the company, I said, well, you know, I'll do what's less common. And I helped a friend to get an appointment over the phone, just as a friendly gesture, and she turned to me and said, you really should be training people on this which highly influenced me because she was overwhelmed by a skill set that I had at that point in my life taken for granted. So I developed my own way of showing people in a structured way that your choice of words actually needs to be in a certain order. There's so much ad-libbing going on. What people don't realize is when they're ad-libbing, everybody can hear it. It's almost as if you could hear the other person's brain whirring on the other end of the line. But there's a lot of umming and erring, there's repetitiveness, and that, that doesn't make you sound either confident or competent. And you were saying at the beginning of the show that there's a variety of things that people do that make them lose their credibility immediately, like you know, walking into a group of male executives in a pink suit, which may not have as bad an impact as a woman thinks, but when you're with a bunch of men and you know them really well, their brains react to that pink suit. It's the same thing on the phone. They don't see you. 
they only hear you. And people don't spend as much attention listening to their own voices, listening to what they say, organizing their words, and making sure that they're getting their, I guess, their main message across, because you can also have some tangents in a conversation. Okay, but go back to ad-libbing for a second. So if you have to, if you're on the phone and it's your business and everything, if you ad-lib, how do you know what actually works or what doesn't work? Because you have nothing to refer to, where yours is much more structured so people understand the pattern. So how do you, how do you judge yourself if it's working? I mean, just because, yeah, this one worked and this one didn't, but what did I say that worked and what did I say that didn't work? Well, in a way, you answered the question because you can't you can't repeat it by the mere dint of it being ad lib. The funniest thing that happens in my class almost literally every week, Judy. It's it's amazing how this happens. Somebody will spit something out, and everybody will go, "Oh my God, that was great!" And he'll say, "What did I just say?" Right. By definition, ad libbing is something that's spontaneous, and if you can't capture it or you don't have a permanent scribe walking around writing down everything that you say, which most of us don't then you can't capture it. I have a book of fantastic responses to things that, to what prospects say to salespeople over the phone. Ninety percent of them were because I write down what people say when it's brilliant. Even when I do role-playing sessions, I always have a pen and a piece of paper. But that's not normal. That's a training environment. So people who are professionals, and I think the word professional has a specific definition. A professional means that you know how to do it under all circumstances, even on a bad day. And if Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're saying about your business, I say you have no right to say you're a professional. Okay, I think that makes perfect sense. I think that's great. So so let me ask you a question now. So after you train your groups, you know, I know you go small groups and humongous groups. When you're done training them, if they do what you say, do they become effective communicators? They become better communicators and they become even more effective if they practice because habits are really, really important. And a habit is hard to break, whether it's a good one or a bad one. I walk in and frequently point out bad habits that people are making in their choice of words, and they cannot believe when they get on the phone how hard it is to break a habit that I suddenly said on Tuesday of last week, that's a bad habit, and on Wednesday they keep doing it. Oh, my God, she told me to stop doing it, and I hear myself saying this, and it's really amazing how hard it is, very hard. So we have people work in groups, we have people buddy up, we have the managers keeping track of them. You know, there's a myriad of things that I throw out, but people are stunned at how hard it is to change their language habits. Mm. Now, I'm, I, I know, I've seen it, I've, I've experienced it. So who do you believe are better at communicating, though? Or is it men or is it women? It depends who the listener is. If it's two men, they think they're perfect. If you have two women, they think they're great. I think that cross-gender, just like cross-generational communication, that's where, the, that's where the challenges come. And it was really interesting when she was talking about, when Sandra was saying how talking to men is different, as you were talking about also in the beginning, and how does she communicate so well in the male-dominated field. And, of course, I'm sitting on the other phone in the mute session, and I'm thinking, shorter more succinct, get to the point. And if you're a woman, that is not your favorite way to communicate. If the listener is a woman, when you're too short and succinct, she may actually be offended. Why is that? Because when women talk briefly to each other, it tends to come from a I'm annoyed with you point of view. 
Like, for example, there's a, there's a common joke among men that when your wife says, I'm fine, be assured that she isn't. Mm-hmm. When a man says, I'm fine, he means it. When a woman says, fine, and of course her tone of voice tends to make you not think everything is fine, but even if you say fine, because she hasn't said 20 words, she only said one word, a smart husband will come back and say, are you sure? <laughs> because she's probably not fine. We don't well, talk fi- like that. Yeah, well, fine is really like a Seinfeld word because you can say it in so many different ways, and it just depends on what the tone is. You know? Correct. But if you say to your wife, how are you doing, and she says, I'm good, a, a, a well-trained husband's ears will perk up and then he'll look at her body language to make sure she meant it. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so where do you think the biggest challenges are for these professionals? Is it getting on the phone? Is it getting an appointment? Is it listening? Where is it, or is it a combination? D, all of the above. I would say getting started is obviously the first part that's hard because it's amazing how many people in sales say, I just can't pick it up. And I go, why not? Well, you know, and then, of course, I hear the manager's vocal, you know, the mantras that the managers have already put in their heads are coming out of their mouths. Well, you know, it's a 500-pound phone. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It weighs two pounds. So I try to break through some of the bad belief systems people come into my class with. But I will say, being a person in business myself, it is harder to turn from my computer, which is on a credenza opposite my desk, so I literally swivel in my chair all day. It's harder to turn to my phone and just say, I'm making my calls. So when people say, oh, it weighs so much, I look at them and I go, no, you're not disciplined enough. When I put it on them, as a potential behavior they have control over, they get control over it. And I say, just, you know, tell yourself I need to be more disciplined. It's not that the phone is so heavy. It's that you are not breaking away from your computer or the coffee machine where you're talking to your friend or you're letting an appointment go too long because when you come back you have an appointment with yourself to make your calls. I mean, I could list all the excuses. Being successful means that you're highly disciplined. It isn't just I'm organized and I'm patient, which I thought was brilliant, by the way, what she said. But it's also you're disciplined to do what you have to do at the moment in that day that you should be doing it. Okay. That's getting started. Yeah, that's getting started. So you are a very successful professional woman, and you teach people how to be effective communicators. And it's not just on the phone. I mean, it's it's a whole combination of the words that they use and everything. What's the hardest thing for you? Is it just swiveling around and making the calls yourself? But what what's hard for you about being an effective communicator? Oh, listening to myself. <laughs> Not ad-libbing, thinking through before I make a call. I mean, I really have to listen to myself. It's stunning how when I'm sitting in my own office and I'm not the teacher and I'm not in front of the room and my PowerPoint isn't up with all those bright-eyed, bushy-tailed people with their pens in the air waiting for my genius to come out. I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm just, you know, another slob trying to make a living. So what I have to remember to do is I have to remember my own good rules about pick it up, plan what you're going to say, organize your leads, do it at a good time of day when you think they're going to pick up. If they don't pick up, know what your follow-up email is going to be. Here's another thing, just to get off the phone for a second, because sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to use an email to make a phone date 
to reach the person so you can even talk to them about your business. People are not randomly picking up their phones the way they used to. So I have been living my career by phone dates because my clients are very busy people. And now I'm finding everybody has to do phone dates. Now the next part of the communication stream is using an email to get a time that these two people can get on the phone together. And it's amazing how long-winded these texters become when they are now emailing. And you have to learn how to write very concise emails. I do not send an email out to anybody, I mean, even you as my friend, without reading it. I constantly edit myself. And people, again, they do the email equivalent of ad-libbing. They type it out, they send it, and they don't even realize it didn't say what you needed it to say effectively. So when you're asking for a phone date so you could get on the phone to actually talk about your business, you need to be very clear and very professional. Absolutely. So do you like the title of the phone teacher? I own the phrase. I've trademarked it because I love it so much. It was a (laughs) nickname that I was given. It's my website name. It's my Facebook name. It's my Twitter name. And you know what? I trademarked it because I was given the name, and there's an affectionate story attached to it. I was working with New York Life, and I was working with all their experienced agents in a new program at the time in the 90s called Leaders for Life. I was seeing a lot of very high producers. I mean, like the cream of the crop was coming to this program, and they were loving it, and they were really listening to what I was saying. I mean, these are people who certainly knew how to make phone calls. My job was to get them more structured around what they were doing so they could be more efficient. And they were the ones that said, hey, you're the phone teacher. This lady is our phone teacher. And they owned me in such a possessive, wonderful way. They were the ones that gave me the nickname. Hmm. Yeah, that's where it came from. Okay, so, and and I know how effective you are with your words, and it's not just on the phone, it's in your writing, it's in everywhere. So I want you to talk to all the women in business that are listening, and I want you to tell them why it's so important about the words that they use. And you heard what I said, you know, they put that little tiny word just in there, and Mm -hmm. it changes the whole dynamics of the conversation. So what would you tell all of our women in business why it's so important about the words they use? In face-to-face communication, when you have the added value of your body language, your eye contact, your smile, you may be able to bring in more of your natural talking ability. But even in a face-to-face situation, for the women business owners that I speak to and the women salespeople that I speak to, in general, being more succinct is better. Women tend to bring in more stories than are necessary, extra stuff that isn't necessarily helping them in terms of their goal, whether it be making a professional friend, getting a referral, making a sale, getting an appointment. All of those agendas that you have are tiny goals that lead you to your profitability. I think women have to be succinct and eloquent And thought has to be put into that. We can talk a little slower. It's okay. Sometimes we rush because we're anxious that people aren't listening to us. There's a lot of things that women say that undermine them. And I make a joke in my class with all my salespeople because men do it too. It's the woulda, coulda, shoulda, sorta, maybe, I hope you will, maybe, kinda, sorta, give me an appointment. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. stuff, which is devaluing of how much you think it's important. 
and how when I share with a class, listen to this way that I said it and this way that I said it, the second way sounds like I believe the appointment is important to them. The first way sounds like I'm begging you to please give me the appointment because it's only important to me. And I had a real aha moment last week with my class when I gave them examples of that. Even the managers, who are the most experienced people in the room, they absolutely can hear it when I give them examples. People hear themselves in the examples that I give. So we role play a lot in groups, which makes people nervous, but then they go, <gasps> to themselves. I hope I don't sound like that. Oh my God. And then, you know, Judy comes on and does it so eloquently. And then I go, I want to sound like her. But knowing why it sounded good is just as important as knowing why it sounds bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in your chapter in Pure Wealth, 26 Ways to Crazy Profitability, you talk about that, about why words matter. So was that fun to get it out and get it published? Yeah, it was because I harbor these thoughts about I wish I can throttle some of the women that I speak to, some good friends of mine that are in business, somebody who I'm extremely close to who I was coaching and was mm, probably the most uncoachable person I've ever met because I can coach a lot of people. She just cannot see, hear, understand, fathom that when she speaks in a casual way, she does not sound like the competent person that she is who's trying to get hired by the client who desperately needs her experience. Mm. She just doesn't. And I can't get her to tighten it up. You know, you, you just got to pack yourself up. It's like in psychiatry. When I worked in psychiatry 100 years ago, one famous psychiatrist said, there's a very easy way to understand psychiatry. Some of our patients we have to pack up and some of our patients we have to unpack and he was referring to specific diagnoses. Well, if you look at the two genders, it's true. Women talk too much and need to pack up, and men don't talk enough and need to unpack. I mean, one of the things we tend to not talk about is how do we fix the men and increase their communication skills because they think one word, one syllable answers are adequate, and they're not. Right, absolutely. So before we run out of time, I want you to make sure you give our listeners the way to connect with you. The easiest way to connect with me, I'm going to start out with my favorite, which is call me on the phone. <laughs> there you go. I'm I'm on social media, and you're my coach around that, which most people listening don't know. But my favorite way to find out who somebody is is by phone. My phone number is 914-242-1108. And my handle, the phone teacher, is pretty much how you find me. My website is phoneteacher.com my Facebook page is the phone teacher and my handle on Twitter is at phone teacher awesome so real quickly is there something that you want to leave our listeners with today yeah it's a little philosophical but human communication should never be reduced to digital because the sound of your voice the inflection, the smile in your voice really does matter to another human being. Awesome. That's a great way to end this. So, Miss Gail, thanks for joining us today. I loved having you, and whenever I get to chat with you is a bonus, so plan on being back again and letting us know about your next endeavors. I would love to come back again.
Thank you so much. And we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to wrap up the show with a few additional tips on communicating effectively. You can never learn too much about this. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. Did you know that an estimated 52 million Americans listened to Internet radio in the last month, or that weekly Internet radio audience has increased 60% over the last year, and that more than 8 in 10 people are online from any location. Tough Talk Radio Network is a company dedicated to providing a platform that allows opportunities for guests, hosts, and sponsors to market themselves to the internet radio media, where they can be heard by millions. To find out how Tough Talk Radio Network can help you, go to toughtalkradionetwork.com. Do you want to know the secret to building a successful business quickly? It's all about taking action, but not just any action. It takes inspired and consistent action to get profits. Join Michelle Sism, the six-figure results lady, as she asks successful entrepreneurs their profitable secrets every Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time on Take Action, Get Profits with Michelle Sism on the Tough Talk Radio Network. If you're ready to take action and get profits, you can find out more about the show at TakeActionGetProfitsRadio.com. Join Judy Hoberman on her radio show, Selling in a Skirt, Mondays at noon central, for exciting discussions about challenges for women in today's society. The talk is about women in business, work and life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communication. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on the Tough Talk Radio Network is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Listen live on Mondays at noon by going to sellinginaskirtwithjudyhoberman.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio. Now, we began with the challenges women have with communication, and we gave a few ideas about how to be more effective with your skills. So let's end our hour with some ideas to create an environment for success. Number one, create a schedule. The only way to achieve your goals is to create a plan and keep on it or ahead of schedule. Number two, find those best practices. Instead of thinking that everyone is lucky to have done this or know that, ask them how they did it. People should think about abundance, not scarcity. So those that share, you can, cre- you can create wonderful relationships with them. Those that won't share, keep this word in mind. Next. And three, complacency will kill your business. Don't get too comfy or cozy. Surround yourself with people that will challenge you. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. So keep learning so you're always growing. Invest in yourself with a coach who will hold you accountable. Remember, we aren't perfect, and women entrepreneurs don't pretend to have all the answers. We are willing to admit our mistakes, learn from them, and share those lessons so that we can move our dreams forward. I thank you all for tuning in every Monday at noon central where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your businesses, and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. Make sure you stay connected with us, and remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next week, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on Tough Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman, brought to you by the Tough Talk Radio Network. A special thanks to all of our sponsors. If you'd like to be a sponsor or a guest, please visit toughtalkradionetwork.com.